If you go to any bookstore trying to find a book on patience, you will not find it. Trust me, I tried. I thought I might get some help somewhere, but I couldn't find a book on patience. And I finally came to the conclusion that uh, probably there are very few authors who feel qualified to write on the subject, including yours truly. And very few people can develop, let alone maintain patience. But I'm convinced, ultimately, that in this fast-paced society in which we live, and in which we crave for instant food and instant drink and instant publishing and speed dialing and even antique being manufactured while you wait, (laughs) that in this kind of a situation, patience becomes irrelevant to people. And under these conditions, there's no such publisher who wants to publish a book on patience. He knows nobody's going to buy it. But here's the real problem. I want you to listen to me carefully today, please, because I do speak out of experience. Here's the problem, and it's a major problem, is that most Christians are being carried along by this current of culture. And therefore, instead of resisting it and stand firm, we go along with it. Not only that, but we bring this kind of thinking, this kind of impatience into the Christian faith. We bring it into the church of Jesus Christ. We bring it into our lives, just as the world does. So we want instant prayer being answered, and instant holiness, and and instant worship, and instant sermons. And like somebody said, you know, those are sermonettes that develop Christianettes. And we have plenty of those. Now let me tell you at the outset, I am no expert on the subject. I have some experience with it, but not an expert. As a matter of fact, I know less about this subject than probably some of you. I often remind myself when I find myself in one of those situations that it took Noah six months to find a parking spot. (laughs) In fact, I want to tell you about a minister who used to live in Southern California a number of years ago. And uh, he was uh, to speak at an all-day conference and uh, was running late. It began when the alarm didn't work on time. and, And then in order to kind of speed up things, he cut himself shaving. And uh, the shirt that he wanted to wear that day was not ironed. And, and then to make matters worse, as he was running out to his car, he noticed that a tire was flat. Disgusted and by this time thoroughly distraught, uh, the minister finally got underway with a sudden burst of speed. And, 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 and racing through town, he did not notice a stop sign and he ran it. And as fate would have it, There was a policeman there nearby, and within second, he heard the siren coming after him and stopping him. And the man, by that time, was so frustrated, so agitated, uh, our young minister friend, he got out of his car and jumped out and started yelling at the policeman. He said, go ahead and give me a ticket. Everything else is going wrong today. Whereupon the policeman walked up to him and quietly said, he said, sir... (laughs) I used to have days like this before I became a Christian. (laughs) 
I'm not going to tell you how this young minister felt at the time. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you this for a reason, obviously. Is that I have learned the hard way that if Satan can sap your strength in the skirmishes of life, he doesn't have to fight you in a big battle. That if Satan gets you in the little things of life, he has already defeated you in the spiritual battlefield. That if Satan succeeds in getting his little foxes to come under your spiritual fence, he knows that he has already destroyed the vine. And that is why it is very important to understand what the Bible says about patience. Now, we use the word, like everything else, out of context and different reasons to suit us. But we must understand what the Scripture say. What does the word mean in the Bible? The Greek word is this. Makrothumia. It's one word, but I'm pronouncing it as if it's two. Makrothumia. And the reason for this is it's translated patience. It's translated long-suffering. It's translated slow to anger. All those things are the right translation. But really, it's two words joined together to make up one word in the Greek, one word in the English. Macrothomia. One means anger, and the other one means slow or long. It can be translated either way. In other words, half of the Greek word for patience means anger. Half of the word means anger. And the other half means long or slow. In Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, the Bible tells us that slowness to anger is one of the characteristics of our God. Slow to anger and abounding in love. Now the Bible speaks about the anger of God. And I want to plead with you today. Please, whatever you do, I don't want you to misunderstand me. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. And I want to tell you why. That needs explanation very carefully. Because today, many Christians want to eliminate that part of God's character. Today, many Christians want to eliminate this word out of our biblical vocabulary. They do not want to speak about the anger of God, the wrath of God, or the justice of God. And this is why how they come up with it. And the reason for it. And the danger of interpreting life or the Christian life through your experience is going to lead you not only to disbelieving and distrusting the word of God, but it's going to lead you to apostasy altogether. Because people think of anger as they've experienced it in life. Whether they've seen it in a father, a mother, or a grandfather, in the home, or out in the school, or somewhere... Because to them, anger means vindictiveness. That's what it means. They saw anger to be the flying off the handle. And therefore, they said, surely that's not how our God is. They are right and they are wrong. (laughs) That's not the anger of God. And that is why you must understand that when the Bible talks about the anger of God or the justice of God or the wrath of God... It is inexorably linked to his love. The two go together. You cannot split them. They're the two sides of one coin. Let me explain this. Because God loves humanity that he created, 
His anger is directed toward anything or anyone who marred that masterpiece of the masterpieces. It is God's love that caused him to pour his wrath upon his son on the cross of Calvary. It is because of his love that he's angry over sin. It is because of his love that he's angry with Satan. It is because of his love that he's angry and his anger will be manifested one day. To emphasize the love of God, so many people deny the anger of God or the wrath of God or the justice of God. And when you do that, you're going to end up with an image of a God who is weak and lazy and could not be bothered with sin. But that's not our God. To emphasize God's anger and judgment without understanding that incredible love of God, you're going to end up with an image of a God who is vindictive and vengeful. That's not our God. And the biggest problem with modern day Christian is that they want to pick and choose instead of understanding and comprehending the true character of our God. We have become so sentimental that we want to create a God to fit our fancy. I mean, we want to create a God that fits our liking. No wonder every survey has been showing that about 50% of the people in the churches in America, they behave, think, and live just like the unbelievers outside of the church. When people scoffed at the fact that Jesus promised to return and he did not return, back at the time of Peter, Peter in 2 Peter 3.9 says, that it is his patience that is keeping him from coming back. Why? Because when he comes back, his judgment is going to be final and swift. But I must tell you something else about judgment that I don't want you ever to forget it. You see, the judgment of God is not, and this is where the language gets all muddled. The judgment of God is not God sitting there, I'm going to suck it to them. You know, this is what we feel. No, 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 no. That's not the judgment of God. The judgment of God is the natural consequences of sin. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a restrainer. So far, the Holy Spirit has been restraining us from getting all the consequences that are the natural consequences of sin, the natural consequences of disobedience, the natural consequences of ignoring God and refusing to listen to the voice of God. Yes, there are some things. There are earthquakes where tens of thousands of people die. There are shootings. There are floods. There are all kinds of things. But still, the restraining hand of God is still there. In my personal opinion, I can't prove it to you from the Word of God. It's my personal opinion that probably the restraining hand of God is beginning to be taken away. And when the hand of God completely is pulled out after His believers are taken up to heaven, I want to tell you, if you think what we're seeing right now is bad, you don't want to be around when that finally happens. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, this be the day. I don't want to be around in the day of judgment when finally the restraining hand of God is taken away and people get the consequences and get the natural wages of sin. But because our knowledge of the character of God is so muddied and muddled, 
it is natural that our understanding of our anger to be muddied and, and muddled. Let me give you some examples and see if you can identify with one of those. There are some people who repress their anger. Why? Because they think that anger is always wrong. <laughs> I often have to chuckle when someone is talking to me. and says, look, you know, I'm not angry about this, but uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm surprised you brought it up. How would I know otherwise? You know, I often turn around and say, now, wait a minute. What's wrong with, uh, well, well, look, I'm angry right now, and let me tell you why. <laughs> What's wrong with that? What's wrong with saying, look, I'm angry right now, and I probably can't verbalize why. I'm going to tell you in a few hours or a few days or whatever. What's wrong with that? Repressing your anger or refusing to admit that it exists will not help you deal with it. There are others who may not repress their anger, but they suppress it. You say the two are different? Yes. The suppressor will say, any anger of any kind, whatever for whatever reason, is just not spiritual. It's just not spiritual. Okay, so I want to say, what about this time when Jesus went to the temple and he kicked some people out of there? Well, close the supermarket outside the temple. Look, suppression of anger is always expressed in that pale face. No, pierced lips, <laughs> you know. I mean, or leaving quietly, never to come back. That, that's, that's a suppressed anger. I want to tell you, suppression of anger is when hurt, resentment, coldness, fury, bitterness abound below the surface. The tragedy is that those folks think that it is not spiritual to be transparent and be open and openly deal with whatever it is that is eating them up. While I believe, in fact, that what the suppressors are doing is not spiritual. Why? Because they are destroying their health. Suppression or repression can lead to depression. And that is not what patience is. Well, then there's a third group. (laughs) This particular person would say, man, that's not me. You're not talking about me. I am the kind of person who let it all hang out. I mean, when I get mad, everybody knows it. I'll let everybody know. You're probably as proud of your forthrightness just as the suppressors of anger are proud of their false self-control. There's no reason for either to be the case because neither of those are biblical Those who suppress their anger need to learn to develop the fruit of the Spirit. And developing the fruit of the Spirit in patience is to develop an expression, proper, godly, biblical expression of your anger. Those hot-headed people need to develop the fruit of the Spirit, which is patience. That is, learning to be slow to anger. I tell you, that is an incredible balance that I personally crave. I I tell you, honestly, I learned about a man who learned to balance both, and uh, he was an older man. He was at a doctor's office, and uh, he waited and waited, like most of us know what that's like, waiting at a doctor's office. Now, doctors, please forgive me. I don't mean to be nasty, but I just tell you, this is what you do to us. (laughs) (laughs) This dear man didn't want to get angry. 
He just did not want to get angry. Finally, he waited, kept asking. Well, a few more minutes, a few more minutes. So a couple of hours later, he looked at the nurse. He said, ma'am, he said, I'm going to go home now and die natural death. <laughs> I like to be like this man, I tell you. He just learned a balance here. <laughs> Parents who have little ones understand how harassing they can be. I mean... You know, those of us who had little ones all under six or whatever, it's, it's a challenge to have this balance and not fly off the handle. And I know I made my fair share of mistakes about this, and I let my children talk to me about this. In fact, I heard about this harassed mom who, with a little girl pulling her around in a very crowded shopping mall, and the girl was just giving her fits. Some of you parents understand this. I mean, she was pulling on her skirt. I don't want to walk. She was whining. She was complaining. She was murmuring. She was just giving a fits. Finally, the harassed mom softly pleaded while she's standing there looking at whatever the merchandise. And she says, quiet, Cynthia. Be patient, Cynthia. Take it easy, Cynthia. Calm down, Cynthia. And finally, a shopkeeper was trying to make some small talk. He went to the little girl. He said, so your name is Cynthia. The mother said, no, her name is Amy. I am Cynthia. (laughs) Someone told me the other day that American men jump traffic lights to save seconds, but they wait patiently for hours to tee off on the golf course. (laughs) Listen, whatever you do, don't confuse patience as the fruit of the Spirit with false patience or fake endurance. Don't confuse the two. (laughs) There are some people who are just too lazy to respond. You know, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. There are some people who are just so proud that they would not dignify with a response. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. There are some people who are just insensitive to criticism. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. All of these may come across to us as long-suffering. They may come across to us as patience, but in reality they are not. Listen to me, please. The source of true long-suffering and patience is the Holy Spirit of God. The motive for true long-suffering, the motive for true patience is the glory of God. It's the glory of God. It is what makes you patient. It is what makes you long-suffering that really counts. When you are long-suffering... And patient with those who persecute you for the sake of your faith. For those who harass you at the workplace because of your faith. You are truly demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. When you are long-suffering and patient in overcoming sin. In overcoming temptation. In having victory over sin and temptation. You are truly demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. When you overcome. When everybody is around you. Is trying shortcuts, those who are trying to cut corners, when those around you are taking it easy and not working hard, but you choose the hard work, you choose standing for the truth, you choose the doing the right thing, you are indeed exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. When you do not see visible reward for your faithfulness, when you do not see swift justice, And you are tempted to give in and give up, but you persevere and you stand firm. That is the exhibiting of the fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you not only my personal conviction, 
learned through hard ways and hard means and long time. Not only my personal conviction, but also my first-hand experience on the subject. One of the major causes, if not the major causes, for impatience is ignorance. Yep, you heard me right. Ignorance. You want me to repeat it? Ignorance. When your horizon is limited, when your focus is your little world, when your vision extends no further than the tip of your nose, when you experience frustrations in life, you will be impatient. When you do not have and live with eternity in mind, with eternity as your focus, when you get in the tough times of life, you will become angry and enraged. When you cannot see God's big picture, every time you face a minor problem in life, fear and anger will be your normal reaction. And that is why children are impatient. That's why they are, you know, they'll throw a tantrum and that's why they, they are demanding, you know, and they will keep nagging you until you give them what they want or some of us do other things. Why? Why kids are like that? I'll tell you why. Because they think that the world revolves around them. They are ignorant of the big picture. They cannot see it. I mean, they can't help it. I'm not blaming them. They'll misunderstand me. They have an excuse, but we don't. Because they are so self-focused. I read about the father, you know, who was driving from Mexico City all the way to Colorado on a fishing trip with his son. And both were looking forward to that so much. And, and the little fellow kept saying, uh, how many miles? And the father would say, 250. He weighed just a little while. He said, how many miles? He said, 230. How many miles? He said, 200. The boy was really frustrated. And finally, he said, we said, well, Dad, he said, uh, will we get there before my sixth birthday? <laughs> you see, ignorance causes impatience. Conversely, faith knowledge is vital ingredients for patience. Faith knowledge is vital ingredients for patience. Christian patience is based upon the absolute, not just head knowledge, but knowledge of understanding that permeates all of one's life. It is absolute belief that conditions every minute of every day that God is sovereign. That he is at work on behalf of his children. Christian patience stems from the knowledge that they will not be forgotten nor forsaken by the very God to whom they have committed their souls. Christian patience springs from the expectancy that the God who loved them, the God who died for them, the God who cares for every detail of their life is soon coming back to take them home. And here's the formula that works for me all the time, every time, never missed. It's a formula that always works for me, with impatience, that is. The more you forget your real home, the more you treat this world as your real home, 
the more impatient you'll become with the aggravations of life. The only thing that works and will work is when you begin to focus on heaven as your home. That nothing in this life is to be compared with the glory that is awaiting us. We have lost sight of that in the church of Jesus Christ. And that is why we get impatient. That is why we get irritated. That's why we get aggravated. Because we have lost the true destiny that it is heaven. It is heaven. As I conclude, let me tell you three things, three examples that James gives us. James chapter 5, beginning verse 7. He gives us three examples that spurs us into patience and perseverance and long-suffering. First, he said in verse 7, you must understand the laws of farming. You know, if the farmer keeps on digging the seed every few days to see how it's doing, (laughs) he will never get a harvest. He'll never get a harvest. Like the farmer says, James, we must obediently be patient for God's timing. You know, the farmer does not confuse waiting with laziness. And I don't want you to either. While he is waiting for the harvest, he is working, repairing the harvest equipment, repairing silos, working on the, on the barns and getting things ready. He's working all the time while he's waiting for God's timing and the harvest time. The second thing James said, verse 10 of chapter 5, he said, the righteous does suffer for his righteousness. You know, the martyrs who suffered for the sake of Christ, and this is not the first century, right now, this day and age, People are being martyred for the sake of Christ right now. The reason they are persecuted for the faith, the reason they are martyred for the faith is because the world system hates God, hates the truth, and hates the followers of Jesus Christ. Now when you suffer as a result of of your sin and be patient in that situation, you're not doing God any favors. You're not going to get a reward for this one. But when you are patient with injustice, with things that are happening that is totally out of your control, God has a great reward for you. And don't forget that. And the third thing James said, verse 11, he said, remember Job. Remember Job. Even God seemed to deal unfairly with Job. Although we know that as Satan, the author of evil, instigated it all. But Job blamed God. But listen to what James said. Remember the great outcome and the joy that follows as the reward for patience. Look forward to that. And you will grow as you cultivate the fruit of patience. Shall we pray? My beloved friends, surely you must know that preaching such a sermon... Bringing such a message has been filtered through the messenger. And God always does his work in the vessel before he uses it. Now pray that it is your desire for God to work in the vessel, your vessel, continuously, not just once, not one day a week, or even during your morning devotions or evening devotions or whatever, but on a minute-by-minute basis. Wherever you are, whatever group you identify with,
Let our cry be to God today. Holy Spirit of God, teach me how to be filled on a daily basis with your power and your strength and your presence so that I may learn to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. Our precious Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be called into being imitators of Christ. Oh Lord, we have failed many a time. Oh Lord, I have failed many a times. But oh Holy Spirit of God, in the name and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, come into our lives. First cleanse us and then fill us. And then do that again tomorrow and every day. Teach us. Give us knowledge, faith that will help us and empower us to cultivate and develop the fruit of the Spirit. For it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.